Hello, I'm Will Yeoman. Welcome to another episode of The Pod Well Travelled, where I'm joined this morning by travel editor Stephen Scalefield, who's back from his travels in Rome and is in Australia, somewhere in Australia. We don't like to think of ourselves as parochial, so I'm not going to say Perth. No, no. <laughs> and, and no, we're not parochial, but we're certainly uh, thinking regional, aren't we? Because Will and I, you and I are off to uh, Albany for the weekend for a travel club weekend, so... We are indeed. I think we are we are thinking regional, if, if not local. The West Travel Club is is spreading its tentacles. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be or amazing. <laughs> Look, along those lines, this this whole concept of the you know travel restart, rethink. I mean, there's so much going on, and you've written a wonderful article that's going to be published in this Saturday's West Australians Travel section about hitting the reset button. Yeah, well, it's a very interesting time, of course, because um, although there are reduced, still reduced numbers of flights, and COVID is certainly affecting flight crews, mm. so it's a slight misnomer. But by the same token, you know, flights are just about full. Um, I was just helping someone booking to fly from Australia to New York through LA, and then on to Barcelona and back through Dubai, and pretty well all those flights were full and they end up having to get business class everywhere because it was the only thing available. Wow. So, um, it, you know, it's busy out there. But as, as we start to revisit, as the world revisits, it's just been quite interesting looking at um, what might even think of it as a, as a slight advantage out of, out of the pandemic is that some places have taken the moment to reset. So, They've enjoyed the, the quiet months, I, I guess, for quite a couple of years. Mm. Um, and if you look at, well, I suppose the, the standout case is, is always Venice. You know, this beautiful Italian city of 500, of 50,000, I should say, residents, mm. who get probably 150 or more thousand tourists a day, usually in peak season. And they, they're introducing a day tripper path. Which costs at least at least ten euros, depends on season, of course. Yes. So you actually have to book to go to Venice. You get a QR code and you show it to the ticket controllers when you go in. It doesn't apply to people staying there because they've already paid the sort of visitor tax. Mm. Um, Venice, of course, stops large ships going. Um, that's already in place. But from January the sixteenth, um, twenty twenty-three, there is a day tripper. Uh, register and payment system for Venice just to control numbers. Um, Amalfi Coast, they, they've got quite an interesting idea. There's, there's this beautiful um, 35 kilometres of coastal road along the Amalfi Coast near Positano, which gets really busy. Mm. And they're going to have. They're introducing from September this year. They're introducing an alternate number plate system. So even even numbered um, car plates can go on even numbered days and odd numbers on odd numbered days. So they're essentially, I suppose you see, they're essentially halving the traffic on that road, which is quite interesting. Marseille, uh, the, the Clank, there's this wonderful little beach there which now you have to book for. Mm. Um, it's free, but you have to reserve it online and get a QR code. Um, Barcelona, it's really sorting out the big group 
situation. Mm. I, I just thought him roam well. It's quite, mm. and, I, and I'm as guilty as anyone else, don't get me wrong, but it's really interesting when you join a group and you're listening to a guy, you end up standing in this cluster on the path and all the locals are trying to get to work through you and yes. it's really interesting how we as people kind of, part of our brain turns off. So I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'm not casting aspersions. But you stand there in the path and you, these poor people are trying to, on their bicycles, trying to take the kids to school or something or other. There's this great clog of people standing on their path. It must be very frustrating and annoying. So, um, so the situation in Barcelona, particularly around big sites around um, Gaudi's um, Castabatlo, for example, mm. and around the um, uh, Barcelona football ground, they've tapped uh, a maximum of 30 people, 15 in narrow streets in parts of Barcelona, mm. this is with groups. Um, they've limited tours to 24 streets and squares, and they are really pushing to get headsets for groups you know, so people don't stand there shouting or using megaphones which yes. some still use megaphones um, so that, that's quite interesting so all, all around the world there's, there's just these kind of little hot spots or places where there's been a rub and I can just see a few places resetting as numbers start to come back and I think that's you know it's part of a it, it is part of a rethink I just also by comparison just watching um other parts of the industry really sort of responding to the traveller's desire for, you know, what I'd call high-value travel, mm. you know. Um, I just reading through, actually, as we as we are sort of speaking here, Poland have the cruise company, which is, which is smaller ships, really. Um, they've got some fantastic new itineraries. So 12 of their 69 voyages for... 2023, 2024 are new, mm. and they're really very interesting. You know, mm. I've, there's the seven nights North Island and Chatham Island, which is way off to the southeast of New Zealand. An extraordinary little spot, the Chatham Islands, um, out in the South Pacific. So they're kind of you know coming up with new itineraries, which are a little bit more off the beaten track, a little less um, impact, I suppose. Um, Hertie Rutten have their 130th anniversary next year and their emphasis is on their they've always run this Coastal Express so part of the cruise industry in Norway part of their kind of um, job I suppose or you know their undertaking is to service communities so they drop in at communities and they're often the lifeline mm. so they're really kind of concentrating on that next year so you are seeing I guess a, I'm just Seeing a sensitivity in some of the travel, which is which is slightly refreshed and new to me. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I was going to ask you too, just in light of the the continuing um, hiccups that some sectors of the industry are having. Um, I won't say Qantas, but but there it is. Um, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what would be your advice, though? No, seriously, in terms of people thinking that they, they just want to jump on a plane, you know, I mean, that clearly is the cause of some of the problems, isn't it? That everybody just wants to go. And everybody, it's, it's everybody wants to go, and, mm. and you know we are still in a pandemic. Yes, you know, like one in forty people in the UK are, have COVID at the moment. Mm. You know, and the the B the B the B strains. You know, the BA four, BA five, one 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 seven. 
you know, there's a whole game going on still with coronavirus, and we are in a pandemic. Mm. Um, exacerbated, I must say, also by Russia's in- invasion of Ukraine and the fuel issue, fertilizer issue. Absolutely. Mm. You know, we're, we're just in a time of great difficulty. And if you just, I'm part, yeah, I'm partly defending the airlines. I mean, even Qantas, if you look what airlines have been through in the last two years, mm. I mean, basically, we were right, a year ago, we were writing that there wouldn't be any airlines left standing unless they were funded by government. Mm. I mean, it was just, I've never, you can't imagine the decimation of that industry. Mm. You know, you've got Qantas staff working coals and yada, yada. You know, I mean, they're, they're still coming back. And I think the added pressures of everybody wanting to fly, certainly visiting friends and relatives, this VFR pressure mm. to go back and mm. grandparents and grandkids and so on. So everybody wants to get on planes. Everybody's got or had COVID and probably going to get it again. So there's a kind of devil-may-care feeling about that with a lot of people, I think. And, you know, then the staffing issues. If you haven't got enough crew, you just can't fly. That's mm. mm. international air law. So, you know, it's a really, really difficult time. And I I just think that because we've, we as travellers and individuals, we're keen to get going, we've come out of the pandemic. You know, these businesses haven't yet. Mm. And, you know, and I, I know the issues of just being, we've just private, uh, Jeffrey Thomas, the aviation editor, and I were discussing this yesterday. And I cannot begin to tell you how many people Jeffrey's been helping with all sorts of issues mm. uh, and I've been trying to help with all sorts of issues um, so behind the scenes we're, we're more aware than probably most people of what's going on and mm. we're trying to solve it and largely it's to do with you know like with Qantas um, redeeming points and issues with PIN numbers and all that It's the, the issue really is just staffing it's not the procedure that's the mm, problem. Mm. It's just then getting to it and getting that back to you because uh, they, you know, they they're just hammered by inquiries and staffing. And you know, if you, if you want to jump on a plane and go and you get a flight, then that's all fine. But it's just this redeeming points and looking through that mm. system as a backlog. Well, well, yeah. I, I guess that going back to my original question, what what can we as travellers, as consumers, do to ease this pressure, if anything? Well, I don't think we can. I think it's. I think it's just got to work through. But I, I do think it's short lived. You know, we, mm. we, you know, goodness me, eight or nine months ago, the whole conversation in Australia was about anti-vaxxers, and now you don't even need a vaccine to get into Australia. You know, I mean, these are finite arguments, and this is a finite period. Of, re- of sort of sorting out this backlog mm. and in six months time we won't be having this conversation so yes it's difficult at the moment but pandemics are difficult and we're right in the middle of it you know we're not out of the pandemic we're right in the middle. I mean look at China you know I mean there's like queues of millions of people being tested we are mm. still in this so you can't expect everything to be as smooth as it was you know three years ago Look, um, absolutely. I think, I think that, that that's certainly my point as well. People are yeah. going to travel and expecting a, a, a smooth experience yeah. for whatever reason, and they're not getting it, and then they're complaining about it. And I find that quite extraordinary, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, just for us, if you're sitting in an airport and your flight's 
cancelled and you're trying mm. to get another fight. This is all it is all very difficult. And I've just experienced this, you know, myself mm. in Italy. But mm. you know, if you just stay calm and work it through, you will end up where you want to be. There's no, you know, no two doubts about it. Um, look, I, I will say I think it's fine. That this year was always going to be pretty bumpy. And, you know, the whole industry, as I've just said, you know, looking at these new itineraries and the plans for next year will be, um, next year's going to hopefully be, you know, simpler. Mm. And you get a rhythm going with these, with these industries as well. Um, it's part of the reason I'm just, in fact, I've got a meeting in, a, in about an hour's time because I'm taking a quite a large group to France. And, you know, the reason that we did that was to kind of help people get moving and be there alongside to help them through, knowing that, you know, it, there, may be, there may be difficulties. So, um, yeah, you, <laughs> I'm very excited about being out traveling again. Mm, and, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm calm and cool about the issues that will arise because everything can be solved, you know, if you just stay calm and everybody's trying to do the right thing. Excellent advice. Well, for those of us who, who may be staying at home and still want to travel, I want to recommend a, a new show on Netflix at the moment, which is um, one of the most insane things I've seen in a long time. It is absolutely hilarious. And if, and if you look, if you like watching naked men wrestling and having bars together, this is for you. Uh, oh, <laughs> but, well, what not, are you doing? Not for you personally, or maybe, who knows? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, but seriously, this is called Termi Romai Noi. So that's, uh, you know, Roman New Roman Baths. Um, it, it follows the, the, the story of this, actually, it's based on a manga series by Mari y- Yamazaki. Um, she wrote a series of, of, of comics, you know, about uh, just over 10 years ago. And they've had some. Some adaptations, like live action as well as um, cartoon. God, I'd like to see the live action versions. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers. But anyway, so that, so Netflix has commissioned a new uh, version, which is which, as I say, is on right now, and it follows the um, the adventures of um, Lucius, who's a Roman architect who specialises in in baths, and he discovers this hidden tunnel underneath a spa that helps him to, to um, emerge, re-emerge into modern-day uh, Japan and into their bathhouses, bath and he cannot believe what he sees, all the innovations, and, and he thinks this is just amazing. So he heads back each time and incorporates these ideas into, into the Roman baths, and he becomes like a, a, sort of like a, a star architect, I guess, like a, you know, a superstar architect for, for Roman baths. And the wonderful thing about this series, for, for travellers in particular, is that at the end of each episode, Mari herself, um, in, in live action this time, takes us on a tour of some of Japan's most famous um, onsen and bars and so forth. And, you know, you learn about the history and the different qualities of each each bath, and it's just quite extraordinary. So it's something that, you know, for those of us who, who are interested in Japan and who really are looking for a different angle, well, look, I tell you what, you're not getting much more different <laughs> than this, um, wow. but, but I don't know. You've just come back from Rome. And any any Roman bathhouses while you're over there? No, none at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably not very popular during the pandemic. One would imagine. <laughs> no, 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 not in the pandemic. Um, oh, that sounds really interesting. It is. I mean, it's, look, it's great fun. It's tremendous fun. I, look, I've, I feel I've got to say it, but you know, we can't. We both we both so engaged with. In interest in Japan, you know, you just can't pass this moment without 
um, commenting on the situation there with Shinzo Abe. You know, it's just the most extraordinary thing. I, I feel like it's like the Kennedy assassination. You know, his his presence in that country has just been so so important for, for such a long time. It's just extraordinary. It I, is, and I'm really glad you brought it up, actually. Mm. Like that. Particularly in Japan, where it's so difficult to to own a gun, you know that it, it it's just quite it's quite bizarre, isn't it? And um, you know, so I, I I just sort of feel on both our behalves that we sort of have to acknowledge that and say that um, you know we're thinking about mm. thinking about the people in the situation. It, it's really disturbing for people in Japan because. Um, gun violence is such so abhorrent to them in that in that community as much as anything. Absolutely, um, and therefore far more shocking. I mean, it's shocking enough yeah. to see it happen in America, where it's commonplace. Yeah. But to see it in yeah. a society like Japan, as you rightly point out, is yeah. just unbelievable. It really literally is. unbelievable. Yeah, terribly upsetting. Terribly upsetting. Well, look, Stephen, that's, that's a rather sombre note to end on, but end we must. It's been great talking to you. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you in Albany in a few days. Um, yeah, Albany yes. is going to be great. We're, we're having so much fun. We just—I spent last night Chef Costa Sumatos, who's our guest chef, mm. coming down, and so I was looking through his fantastic menu. Lots of um, wonderful local produce, sustainable, uh, very interesting produce. Uh, Steve Richards finished the music for the gala night where we're going to perform. You and I are doing three photo walks. Three, an epic three funny. photo walks. Epic three photo walks. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a full-on weekend of travel stuff. No, it's, it's really, really exciting to be doing that uh, with you uh, right now. In the meantime, why is Moen's not there? Moen's is not there because he'll be swanning off to the Mediterranean. Yeah, Moen's has got a terrific job. He's actually sailing with Viking mm. from Venice, which we mentioned, although he's only there briefly. He's basically yes. there. And he's sailing down the coast to Athens. It's a fantastic itinerary that they have. So basically, they're in port every day. Um, so that'll be very interesting. There's a whole series of stories coming out of that. He's taking his drone, so we hope he doesn't get locked up somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he's across all the regulations. No, I'm no, sure he's, he's a very conscious, very he is indeed. conscious person. So yeah, Moans is doing that, and I say that's a really interesting itinerary. Mm. Um, Steve McKenna, who's kind of an adjunct staff member, has just been on Celestial Cruises, which is a, a Greek-based small ship cruise line. Um, and he's just been through Mykonos, Santorini, back to Athens. So we've got that story just about to come online and be published as well, and a series of stories from there. So certainly that southern part of Europe is where we're concentrating on the moment when, you know, the north is, is more difficult. Mm. No, no, no. That, that sounds like an excellent, very sensible idea. Um, yeah. Well, that, that was a long goodbye. Now, the, the, reason I said, oh, yeah. the reason I said it's we'll time we'll to... Ring, we'll ring Moans next week. We'll, make, we'll get we will. some work out of it. Well, totally. Totally. At least he'll do some work. The reason I yeah. mentioned ending was because I'm looking at my, this Roadcaster deck that we use for all our recordings and I realised that I hadn't emptied out the memory card and it's fast running out of space. So oh, I'm, I'm, okay. I, I'm very keen to kick you off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so look, okay. as I say, it's been great talking to you. You take care and um, we will have a fantastic show next week. We'll be able, be able to talk to Moans and we'll also be able to talk about how Albany went for us. Yep. Bye, Stephen. Well.